You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Rams and Locked On Bucks listeners, welcome to another crossover Thursday episode here of the Locked On Rams and Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm the Locked On Rams host, Sosa Kremenjas, and I'm joined by my guy, David Harrison, the host of the Locked On Bucks podcast. And David, we got a lot to discuss in this episode. Of course, we're going to take you guys through everything you need to know between the Rams and the Bucks, things to look out for. I've got some questions for David. He's going to ask me some questions on the Rams, of course, and then we'll share our prediction at the end. But before we get into all of that, just wanted to remind you guys that the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast has officially relaunched as of September 20th with two new hosts, Locked On 49ers host Eric Crocker, who's going to bring the player scouting to you guys, and Locked On Chiefs host Ryan Tracy, who's going to bring you the analytics side of things you guys can go follow that on the locked on nfl draft podcast on youtube the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts and i guess now we could dive into this largely anticipated game me and david were talking about it before we hopped on air uh, and i suggested that this has to be the game of the week i mean we're looking at two teams right now that i think most people would suggest are the two best teams in football if not the two best at least two of the top three including the kansas city chiefs probably somewhere in there two teams that are two and oh And I wouldn't be shocked at all if, you know, when we look back in January and it's NFC conference championship time, and these are the last two teams standing in this conference, I would not be shocked at all. I think most people probably expect that as of these first two weeks throughout the uh, season here. So David, obviously this news just came to be, and while you guys are listening, you guys are probably going to, you know, have this as old news, but Antonio Brown just tested positive for COVID. Mm -hmm. And of course, now he has to have two negative tests, I believe, before the game kicks off to be eligible to play in this one. So what does that mean for this offense? And if he can't go, you know, how much do they lose out on this offense? I know they have a pretty good wide receiver core. Um, how does this situation look like it could unfold going forward in this game? Yeah, it's, it's going to be tricky because, you know, I'm still not 100% sure that I understand the complete uh, NFL COVID protocols, but I, I believe if he's not asymptomatic, then he can test again in 24 hours. And if that comes up negative, and then another test in 24 hours, that comes up negative. So that would be Friday that he would test again. Uh, for that second time, then he could potentially travel with the team on Saturday to Los Angeles. But if he has symptoms, uh, then I'm pretty sure he has to be a, he has to be without symptoms for 48 hours first, and then he's got to have the two uh, negative tests spread out by 24 hours, which would make it pretty much. I mean, it's not impossible, but it would be, it would make it very unlikely uh, that Antonio Brown's going to play on Sunday. And as of right now, nobody knows, or at least nobody is reporting whether or not he has symptoms, and that's you know that's personal information that we're probably not going to find out. Anyway, we'll just find out as the tests come and as the information comes. But right now, I think if you're the Buccaneers, you kind of have to move forward planning for Antonio Brown not being on the field. And that's huge because he really is, uh, in my mind right now, he really is their best three-level wide receiver uh, on this offense. He can execute in in the short, intermediate, and deep passing games. Uh, Everybody knows that the Rams know it. And from a defensive standpoint for the Rams, um, that's something that really stresses out your defense because you have to account for him on all three levels if you man him up and you don't provide top coverage, you're, you're just going to be eating alive over the top. And then same thing, if you man him up deep and you don't provide underneath coverage, he's going to eat you all day underneath with the short catches that he turns into bigger runs. Chris Godwin, obviously a good three-level wide receiver, but I don't think he's as dynamic in the short area uh, as, as Antonio Brown is. So that's why I give AB kind of that credit for being the most dynamic three-level receiver on this offense. Either way, they have a lot of good weapons. So, I mean, it, they're, they're still going to be able to do things. I think uh, they should still be able to manufacture enough offense to – uh, to be competitive and potentially come out with a win. But, I mean, it's already a tough matchup, and now you're coming into it on top of the fact that Kevin Mincer, uh, their primary backup off-ball linebacker and special teams captain, is also on the COVID list. So if he doesn't come off before, then 
They're going to be missing two leaders on the team uh, and two playmakers for them as well. Yeah, and I want to continue along with this offense. Of course, Antonio Brown looks like, you know, the 2014 version from Pittsburgh. I mean, the guy looks absolutely incredible so far. Uh, this offense looks like they picked up right where they left off last season, right? You talk about uh, Tom Brady joining a new team, and it feels like the Rams are sort of in a similar situation right now as to where the Bucks were, you know, for the first five, six, eight weeks compared to last year, where you're still kind of trying to get that timing down and the gelling and all the chemistry and things like that. But it looks like the Bucs are just 100% full go on offense. Can you just walk mm. me through how this offense is clicking right now? You know, in between guys like Tom Brady and old friend Rob Gronkowski, four touchdowns in two games, as well as that rest of the receiver core that you talked about. Um, just looking at how these guys have really picked up with no, you know, drop off to how they played last season. Yeah, I mean, it, they really do look like the offense that we last saw in February. Uh, and that kind of starts with the, the arrival of Antonio Brown. Obviously, the first few games uh, with A.B., you know, not as effective. But then as the season got on towards the end of the year and then into the playoffs, you saw A.B. become a bigger part uh, of the offensive structure. And that's exactly what we've seen in the early part of the season. And then you have Chris Godwin still getting a healthy amount of targets uh, every game. And, and again, in, in the different levels of the secondary and the defense uh, with Rob Gronkowski, obviously, being kind of that ultimate weapon out there. Uh, and then you see the Bucks trying to get that running game going. A little bit more committed to Leonard Fournette early on this season than they were maybe last year. Ronald Jones uh, still kind of got the lion's share of the work for the most part, at least early in the game. But now you kind of see that shift going to more towards Leonard Fournette. And then uh, Ronald Jones had a bad fumble in week one, uh, a, a terrible uh, missed blitz pickup in week two uh, that got Tom Brady hit pretty hard. So, I mean, those are kinds of things that are going to keep Ronald Jones on the bench, keep Leonard Fournette uh, on the field. And that's really, I think, where the biggest difference is right now this season is the Leonard Fournette factor. Giovanni Bernard maybe not getting used as much as most people probably expected him to. And we, we could see an uptick uh, in Gio's use as early as this week, potentially. But And then you have Mike Evans, who is driving fantasy football players or uh, owners crazy because he's a feast or famine uh, type of guy with Tom Brady. He's going to continue to be all season long. But all that stuff is par for the course for 2020. If you saw the 2020 bucks, this is exactly what you're getting uh, in 2021. It just shows the value of continuity. And I like your comparison uh, to this Rams offense with the Bucks offense last year. And I think that... Uh, it's, it's a very good uh, comparison. I think it should give Rams fans hope because, I mean, your team, you know, at least the Rams are starting 2-0. The Bucks, uh started their, their first season, unfortunately, with Tom Brady with a loss to the New Orleans Saints. So at least the Rams are winning 2-0 as they're developing and growing. And I think you're right. You'll see the similar type of trajectory as Matt Stafford and those weapons get more comfortable with each other. You'll see them get even better and become a Super Bowl contender by the end of the year. Yeah, I think that's just part of the process, right? You have to learn how these guys go. And you still see it come up on tape. And I was talking about that on Twitter the other day. Uh, there's a handful of reps every game where Matthew Stafford just places the ball a little bit out of reach or maybe a little bit low. And it kind of keeps their, the receivers from, you know, gaining another five or 10 yards after the catch. So still kind of working those kinks out. But I want to flip to the other side of the ball. And I mean, this defense was one of the best defenses in football last year. Alongside the Rams, they had the number one ranked defense. And I'm specifically looking at this secondary in general, right? And this second week, you know, this past week against the Falcons, a lot better. Uh, you look at guys like Mike Edwards, two pick sixes. Mm -hmm. But in that first game, and I'm really looking towards more of that first game versus the Cowboys because I think the Cowboys and the Rams sort of resemble each other in terms of how they make up their offenses. You know, they got three quality receivers, a tight end threat decent running game so i think that one's a little bit more alike to how this game is probably going to be and that secondary looked a little bit worse or a lot worse than they were last season it felt like that was a huge strength for them last season uh can you compare what this unit is looking like right now and maybe why they're faltering compared to how they looked last year yeah i think what's happening is that the league is kind of catching up with people close to the buccaneers kind of always known and that is that the secondary is the weak part of the defense and 
that you're not going to defeat the pass rush. You know, um, teams last year, and, you, and especially you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, even with the changes they had on the offensive line, uh, they came out essentially trying to run their offense. And, and the Kansas City Chiefs offense is predicated on some long developing routes and the ability for Patrick Mahomes to escape pressure if he does indeed meet pressure before the routes develop and still be able uh, to deliver the throw. What the Buccaneers showed is that they could contain Patrick Mahomes, bring pressure from the outside and up the middle, and then their secondary would have the time they needed uh, in the back end to be able to wait it out while the the, pre- the pressure got to Patrick Mahomes. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, here in the early part of the season, the Dallas Cowboys gave everybody a blueprint. The, the only way to defeat the Buccaneers' pass rush totally is to get the ball out before the pass rush and get home, and that's really uh, the simplest answer there. So what that's, that, what that's causing is more passes are getting out of the quarterback's hands into the secondary and that's where you're seeing some of these deficiencies show up, which is, uh, again, like I said, something that those covering the Buccaneers closely kind of always knew existed, uh, basically just hoped that the other offenses never really found it out. The Dallas Cowboys came out and showed that you can do it. And, and again, I like your comparison there. Uh, the Rams have very similar similar weapons. I mean, Cooper Cup is a guy uh, that can be effective on all three levels of the defense, just like a guy like A.B. can. Maybe not as electric or as you know charismatic as Antonio Brown can be when he's doing it, uh, but certainly ultimately effective. I mean, off to an all-pro caliber uh, start to his season if he can keep up this pace it's going to be amazing um so that's that's something that's obviously going to be a huge part of this and uh you know it, it's going to be a lesson you know the, the secondary is very young um you look at their most experienced player jordan whitehead is not what most people would consider you know an aged veteran uh so they're still they're still aggressive but they're still susceptible to some of those youthful mistakes matthew stafford knows how to take advantage of guys like that and you know i expect to see some big plays from the rams offense because of that and i do expect to see them also try to exploit that quick game uh, because the Buccaneers have been shown to be susceptible there. But what we did see against the Atlanta Falcons, because the Falcons also tried to do a similar type deal uh, where Todd Bowles started mixing some things up a little bit, forcing the quarterback to hold the ball just a little bit longer because if you can confuse them, make them hold it on to another half a second, that could be enough for guys like Shaq Barrett, Via Vea, uh, Jace Pierre-Paul, some of those DBs that they bring in on those uh, on those blitzes. You mentioned the Mike Edwards, two interceptions. That last pick six he had, uh, what is kind of lost in translation there a little bit, is that the two defensive interior defensive linemen in that formation actually dropped back in the pass coverage and two DBs came in on blitzes. It was Carlton Davis that deflected the pass and then Mike Edwards who intercepted it. So out of your four rushing defenders, two of them were defensive backs while two very large individuals dropped back into pass coverage. And those are the kinds of things that make quarterbacks hold the ball just a tick longer and can help the defense get home. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it takes a, a second to read that defense. And uh, we all know Todd Bowles is willing to throw anything at that kitchen sink, man, to get it done. And it's been fun to watch. And, and in just a second here, we're going to kind of flip the tables. And David's going to shoot over some questions for me, of course, to cover the Rams. Uh, you guys can follow us on Twitter at QB's MEP and at D Harrison 82. And you can also follow our podcast locked on Rams locked on bucks. You can also follow us on YouTube at locked on Rams. And I know if you guys have a vehicle, you've probably went through the process of calling up your mechanic, having to deal with long wait times, expensive uh, quotes and things like that. You don't have to deal with that anymore. All you have to do is check out one of our sponsors for today's episode, rockauto.com. They are a family owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you're a person who likes to fix things yourself or you're a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, you should absolutely check them out. Your make, your model, doesn't matter. They've got you covered, I swear. They got everything you can imagine. All you have to do, just go to their website and check it out. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us section so they know that we sent you. Now we can continue along where we left off here. And uh, David, I'll hand it off to you. You can kind of ask me some questions now and we'll kind of get into uh, how this matchup looks on this side of things for the Rams. Absolutely, man. So yeah, just 
to echo what you've already kind of said, really looking forward to this game. It's it's going to be should be one of the best games of the regular season. So we're just very lucky to have it uh, this early on. But looking at the Rams offense, right? So starting off there, I mean, Cooper Cup, we, we kind of kind of just touched on it. I mean, again, all pro level start to the season. And he looks like a guy that could potentially maintain. I mean, you, you look at you know, 100 plus yards, you know, every every game is it possible. I don't know if it's possible, but I mean, the way that the Rams employ Cooper Cup, uh, you could you could make the argument that you could see it happening. What has allowed Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford to connect so well so early on? Yeah, you know, I think it's just a matter of making everything easy, right? You look at how he plays wide receiver and it's kind of that mold of, you know, I'm going to run really solid routes. I'm going to get open, create separation And not only that, but he's got some of the best hands in the NFL. I mean, this guy, if he's getting his hands anywhere near a ball, he's probably pulling it in. And not only that, but you look over the last two or three seasons, this guy ranks in the top three amongst all receivers and yards after the catch. So he's as complete of a guy as you can really get. Sure, like you mentioned in your segment as well there in the first segment, not the most athletically gifted guy. You know, he's not Mm -hmm. 6'5". He doesn't run a 4-4-40. But he does all the little things well, and that's why he can separate so easily from these guys. And not only that, but you talked about it as well. The Rams are deploying him in different formations and different varieties now compared to how they did in the past where, you know, he'd line up in the slot a lot of times. Now you see him lining up, you know, boundary outside the numbers. You see him in bunch formations in the stack where they typically have used him in the past as well. But you look back to this past game in week two. He's lined up next to Matthew Stafford to his left in the backfield, and he comes out of the backfield, runs a seam route right up the middle of the defense and catches a 20-yard touchdown. So it's very visible right now that he and Stafford, I think, have the best chemistry between Stafford and any of those receivers. It's clear that Stafford still has things to work on with guys like Robert Woods and, you know, some of those other receivers. But with Cooper Cup, it seems like they've picked up literally, you know, like Jared Goff had it where they have, you know, four or five years of experience with each other. So they seem very comfortable. Uh, Cooper Cup is a really cerebral player. He knows how to find holes in zone coverage. He knows where to get open. He knows how to get open. And so I think he's just been one of those prototypical quarterbacks, best friend type of guys. And uh, it's mm-hmm. very clear that he and Stafford are very comfortable throwing and catching to each other right now. Yeah, definitely. I can guarantee that Todd Bowles has been watching a lot of Cooper Cup running routes. And like you said, all over the field in every type of formation, it's it's going to be interesting to see how he attacks that. Uh, but looking at the offense again, I mean, the running game still is still impactful for the Los Angeles Rams. And that's something that teams have kind of had to abandon against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Falcons had a little bit more success than, than, than the Dallas Cowboys did really using Cordero Patterson, trying to get him uh, on the on the edge there, find some gaps. Uh, the Rams have run the ball 28 times on average per game. That's not each game, but on average so far, uh, where the Buccaneers aren't even facing 20 carries per game from opponents right now. Do you think that that's going to be a problem for this Rams offense to not be able to uh, lean on Daryl Henderson maybe as much as they have in these first two weeks? Or do you think that they'll be okay if the Buccaneers defense kind of hold par and, and forces them to commit to the pass more than the run? You know what? I, I do think it's going to be a problem for the Rams. I, I just look back to that game last year between these two teams and the Rams. I think their leading rusher had like 22 yards. It was yeah. a brutal performance from the running game. And I expect more of the same, to be quite honest with you. You know, you look at that defensive line. They are as good, as talented, as deep as any defensive line in football. When you got guys on the bench that are first round picks. I mean, that really speaks to how quality that unit is. And so uh, the Rams offensive line is not, you know, filled with any slouches. They've done a really good Mm -hmm. job this season. I think surprisingly, actually, but there is issues in that backfield. I mean, you look at Daryl Henderson, he sustains an injury in week two, a rib issue, probably not going to play in this game. You know, there's Mm -hmm. still question marks, whether he's going to be able to suit up, but I'm a, you know, if I was a betting man, I would say there's a 95% chance he's not going to be able to go. And if he does go, there's no way that he's going to be able to handle 100% of the workload like he did throughout those first two games, basically. 
And that leaves only Sony Michelle basically and Jake Funk on this roster. And you're talking about a guy who's a seventh round pick who's never taken an offensive snap before in Jake Funk and Sony Michelle, who's been with the team for two weeks. So there's definitely mm-hmm. issues back there. Um, maybe not entirely opening up the playbook here. That could be an issue. And then of course, that defensive line is really, really good. So I think they're maybe going to run the ball a little bit just to keep them balanced. But at the same time, I don't expect a productive day here. I think the Rams are definitely going to have to lean on that passing game. And if they have a successful day on offense, it's going to be because Matthew Stafford is pushing that ball deep. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and the Buccaneers have given up some passing yards and they've given up a few points uh, here and there because of that passing game, because of that pass defense. But still, and Bruce Aarons kind of pointed this out earlier in the week in a press conference, still one of the better teams defense in the NFL as far as yards per uh, reception, yards per pass in the NFL so far through two seasons. Flipping over to the defense there for the Rams. So, so I mean, everybody, I mean, you, you have to love this Rams defense. One, the talent on it, two, the personality on it. But uh, the Bears and the Colts both had some success, granted limited success, but had some success spreading the ball out, spreading the field. Four, a lot of four wide receiver sets, a lot of three receiver sets, tight ends lining up off, off, the, uh, off the formation. Stuff like that. A lot of things that the Buccaneers also like to do. And even if Antonio Brown can't go, you still got Scotty Miller out there uh, who can stretch the field. Tyler Johnson has shown a lot of potential as well. And this could be an opportunity for the Buccaneers to get their rookie Jalen Darden, who they've called a joystick player, uh, involved a little bit more in the offense as well. And then, of course, you have Giovanni Bernard, known as a fairly good pass-catching running back. How concerned are you about with the amount of weapons that this, this Buccaneers offense is bringing in this matchup and what you've seen from teams like the Colts and Bears spreading out the Rams defense and attacking them uh, through the year? Yeah, you know, I think the Rams match up relatively decently in terms of the personnel. Uh, but like you mentioned, I mean, you're looking at two very inferior teams in the Bears and the Colts, and they had a lot of success driving on the Rams. I mean, I think every single drive that the Bears had ended in the Rams half of the field and the Colts. I mean, they had two red zone drives, one which they throw an interception on on the two yard line and another where they're stopped. And it's a turnover on downs on the two yard line. They couldn't score from the two yard line or the one yard line there. So, I mean, if we're talking about any positive regression there, the Colts might have won that game. They might have had a much more successful offensive game. And that's an issue for this team is they're being a lot more reliant on that bend, but don't break style of defense. And we know Tom Brady is the type of guy that can take full advantage of that. Never mind uh, a little bit of an advantage. So uh, it's definitely an issue. I think the Bucs are probably going to have a very productive game here. And like you mentioned, you know, the Rams have a lot of high end talent where they're going to rely on a Jalen Ramsey, a Darius Williams, and they have a lot of solid players outside of that. But the Bucks don't have to go to one player. I mean, they got an embarrassment of riches when it comes to that skill position or those skill positions, tight end, receiver, running back. Tom Brady's going to happily take the matchups that he likes, of course. We've seen him do that for the last two decades. And so that poses an issue, not just for the Rams, but for every defense in the NFL. So if the Rams are going to win this game, they're going to have to score a lot of points. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And I do think that the Bucs are going to you know, reach that 30-point threshold ultimately just because of how talented they are and how good Tom Brady is at identifying pre-snap reads and things like that. So regardless of how talented this team is and this defense is, uh, they've been susceptible a little bit throughout these first two games, and I think that's a worry for sure in this one. Yeah, and and the Rams, I mean, especially with the addition of Matt Stafford, well, honestly, because of the addition of Matt Stafford, not with Jared Goff, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very vocal Jared Goff uh, non-supporter, but uh, with the addition of Matt Stafford, the Rams quickly became one of my favorite teams in the NFC to compete with the Buccaneers, and I do, I think it's, uh, if, you know, health being being a big factor, obviously, but if both teams stay healthy enough. I think this is your NFC championship matchup uh, and the Rams are going to look to become the second team in a row to host Super Bowl uh, in their home stadium. And I think whether it's the Chiefs, Bills, who knows, Steelers, Chargers, whoever it is, I think they could handle and, and compete well with whoever the AFC brings if they do unseat the Buccaneers. 
Um, but again, my thought process on the Rams honestly is more of a week 17, 18 product versus a week one and two product. Um, so this being week three, we know every NFL team is going to be a lot different 15 weeks from now than they are uh, coming into this week. The Rams still do have a little bit of deficiency, some some getting used to some growing pains that they're going through, uh, like you mentioned. And we saw those with with the Buccaneers and Brady, as you mentioned as well. Uh, what the Buccaneers didn't get as much as what the Rams are getting right now is is opponents kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. You mentioned it a little bit already. The Bears throwing the interception uh, in the end zone, uh, not touching Van Jefferson, forgetting that you're playing pro football, not college football. Uh, fourth down twice, giving the Rams uh, short areas, just just needed 20 yards to, to kick a Matt Gay field goal uh, in that game. Then the Colts, the fourth down fail in that first drive. Uh, I think the fourth down, the, the team's going for it so much on fourth down, so it's a huge compliment the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, I think that's basically teams showing that we know you're the big, the big brother and we need to come heavy at you. But at the same time going, I mean, that's three, four downs the teams went for. They missed them. All that momentum goes back to the Rams, uh, the stumble and fall on that Cooper cup TD. I mean, that's Cooper cup and it's Matt Stafford. Maybe that still scores anyway, but the stumble and fall definitely didn't make things any easier. And then the Colts had a drop on third down, forcing a long field goal uh, for the Colts during a drive where they were honestly moving the ball again and could have potentially gotten into range for a touchdown. So a lot of errors for the bears and Colts in these first two losses. And that's not to take anything away from the Rams, obviously a very talented organization, but do you think they can get away with winning with, with the growing pain still here in week three against the team in the Buccaneers that has, will, will make some, some of their own mistakes from time to time as well, but doesn't quite nearly shoot themselves in the foot as much as the bears and the Colts have already done in the first two weeks. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, right? Like you mentioned, uh, the Rams, this is a team that did not play a single starter in the preseason. So they're still going through a lot of this stuff where they're still working out the kinks, still trying to get that chemistry down. They have a new defensive coordinator in Raheem Morris. He's still trying to implement his defense and trying to get all that down. Uh, Then you look at the offensive side of the ball. They switched the biggest position. Matthew Stafford is now the new quarterback. And that means 10 guys have to get used to playing with a new player who's basically the engine of your offense. So uh, there's a lot of things still to work out for the Rams as well, never mind the other teams. But like you mentioned, um, there have been a lot of things that broke the Rams' way. And at some point, that's probably not going to continue to happen, right? That luck is not that good. Uh, but at the same time, they've kind of forced those things too. So you got to give them credit. Uh, you look at the Bears. I mean, they had three fourth downs, did not convert any. The Colts, another fourth down or three attempts on the goal line, could not get any. Actually, yeah. four attempts, I guess, when you consider that fourth down as well. Yeah. Uh, so the Rams have had a lot of success in that area, and we know that that's probably not that stable of a metric when you consider it moving forward. So um, it's definitely something to look out for. You know, I think uh, those teams probably knew that the Rams were likely going to score 30, 30-plus 30 points, and if you can't keep up, you pretty much don't stay in a chance. So that's maybe a little bit of a – deciding factor when you're trying to mm-hmm. decide whether you want to kick that field goal or go for it. But the Bucks are a different story. This team can throw up 30 plus any given week too. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think that is something to look out for. Are the Rams going to be able to hold them into those fourth and long situations? Because if it's fourth and two, it makes it a lot easier to go for it than it is if it's fourth and eight. So definitely something I'm looking out for. Uh, it is something that has broke the Rams way over the first two weeks, but you know, at the same time, the defense is pretty talented too. So you got to give it up to them for at least making those stops. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and again, it's it's a huge compliment, I think, that the Bears and Colts coaching staffs uh, both approach the game that way. I've, I always kind of chuckle a little bit because coaches will always tell you we want to be aggressive, we want to be aggressive. Well, when you're going for it on fourth and eight on your opponent's 40 in the first quarter, you're not being aggressive. You're scared uh, of what your yeah. opponent is going to do to you. Um, and that brings us to uh, the rest of the Rams roster. Who's a player to watch from this game? So, so obviously we know Aaron Donald, we know Matt Stafford, even Cooper Cup, but who's another player uh, to watch in this game that you think needs to step up big against the Buccaneers for the Rams to uh, to defend their home? 
You know, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I want to go on the defensive side of the ball, but I'm going to stay on that offense. And one player that I definitely think we could maybe expect to see something out of in this game that we haven't seen pretty much anything out of is Deshaun Jackson, the veteran. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about a guy uh, that Sean McVay single-handedly pointed out this past week in his press conferences. And he said, you know, I got to find a way to get him onto the field. I got to find yeah. a way to get him the ball. And the Rams paid him a lot of money. I mean, they paid him almost, you know, four, four and a half million dollars. And that's a lot of money for a guy who's played 14 and three snaps throughout the first two weeks. He clearly signed knowing that he was going to get some snaps for this team. Still very capable of working vertical and getting deep and making big catches. So that's something that I'm looking out for. But really depends because I don't know how much of a rotation he's going to have with Van Jefferson. He's been the mm-hmm. clear option for number three as of right now. But I genuinely think I'm going to believe Sean McVay on this one. It might be coach speak. I think he's going to find a way to get him on the field a little bit more often. And you know, anytime Deshaun Jackson is out there, he's out there for one thing. I mean, yes, he can make short catches. Yes, he can get yardage after the catch. But this guy is one of the all-time great deep threats in football history. So if he's out there, you better be ready to run. So that's one thing I'm looking out for. I'm going to say Deshaun Jackson uh, nearly went on the defensive side of the ball. But feels like this game is going to be some fireworks. So I'm going to go with the offensive side of the ball in this one. Deshaun's a great choice, man. You know that Deshaun, I mean, I don't think there's any ill will with the Buccaneers organization with Deshaun Jackson, but I mean, he's the kind of guy, like anytime he plays, you know, the logo that he used to play for, he wants to, mm-hmm. he wants to show them what they're missing. So yeah, definitely a great challenge for the secondary if the Rams can get him on the field. Yeah, you've seen it. I mean, even when he played the Eagles back in the day, I think it was with the Bucks, and he scores a touchdown. He's doing that little bird celebration. Yeah, so it yeah. uh, would be fun to see. But in a second here, we're going to share our prediction. And uh, I think we might mix it up a little bit here we'll see how it goes so before we dive into that i talked about it many times on this podcast i do like to play some bets and if you guys do need help when it comes to betting you can check out one of our sponsors betonline.ag for this episode as always betonline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season you can get all the updated odds props and contests including the half million dollar nfl mega contest and the two hundred thousand dollar survivor contest which are both open now at betonline All you have to do is just head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to take advantage of all your favorite sports from football to basketball to boxing all the way to horse racing. I mean, they got it all. Don't wait. Take advantage now. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And there's one more final sponsor for this episode. If you guys fill up on gas, if you drive, you should absolutely check out one app. It's called GetUpside. And I'm telling you guys, if uh, you're filling up on gas, this one is worth your time because you can get up to 25 cents back on every gallon of gas that you fill up with. All you have to do is just download the free Get Upside app on the App Store or the Google Play Store right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get up to a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up, which is 50 cents cash back. You don't have to pay full price at the pump anymore. All you have to do is download the free app Get Upside and use the promo code touchdown today and if you guys do need any help when it comes to betting of course you guys have heard me talk about it many times here locked on bets go check them out it's hosted by your boy q and handicapping expert lee sterling probably shouldn't listen to me when it comes to betting lines i'm not that good you should absolutely give them your time though these guys are going to have you betting right knowing which lines to avoid which lines to pick parlays everything you can imagine not just for football but every single sport you can go follow the locked on bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast now, David. This is the final segment here. We can dive into our prediction, and uh, our sponsor, Bet Online, has this line right now as the Bucks as a one point favorite. So, mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, it's basically a coin flip. They're saying, are, is this team going to win or is that team going to win? There's no uh, deciding between these two teams right now. So, I'll give it up to you first. 
Um, you can share your prediction for my schedule breakdown series. I had the Bucks originally winning this game. Not really sure if anything's changed for me, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, who do you have winning this game? Do you have maybe any score prediction for this one? Yeah, so I have the Buccaneers winning. I think the Antonio Brown loss is going to be important, but I don't think it's going to be a crippling loss uh, for this Buccaneers offense. Again, you talk about continuity. Scotty Miller uh, has been on this roster. He's been with his coaching staff. He's been working with Tom Brady. Tyler Johnson has just been itching for an opportunity uh, to show what he can do on the field. So getting more playing time for both of those guys, uh, it could actually be a little bit of a benefit because the Rams haven't seen as much of them uh, lately as they have of a guy like Antonio Brown. So the game plan and the scheme has to change just a little bit because of those guys being on the field a little bit more uh, than they're used to. I think Leonard Fournette gets leaned on uh, again, and, and, the, and the Rams defense has been susceptible a little bit early on to, to some run plays. Obviously, a guy like Aaron Donald uh, disrupts things as well, but I think the, the Bears and Colts have shown a kind of a good blueprint on how to get Aaron Donald upfield a little bit too much, open up some running lanes uh, by running in behind him. So we'll see if the Buccaneers adopt a little bit of that as well. But I don't expect this to be any type of walk in the park, you know, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, by any means. I think ultimately, whether it's the Rams or the Bucks that come away with the win, it's going to be the team that makes the fewest mistakes. We talked about the Colts and Bears shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, if, if the Buccaneers don't do that, they've already shown that they can score uh, in bunches. They've got they've had ten straight games now of scoring more than 30 points uh, and they've won nine of those uh, or nine straight of those. I have the Buccaneers winning 38 to 31. Kind of the way I see this going down is a seven point lead late in the game. The Rams probably drive uh, into Buccaneers territory, but obviously you can't settle for the field goal. So in reality, as far as, far as scoring position is concerned, you're probably looking at about a 34, 38 difference, which is very close to what that line would be, but obviously needing to win the game, you're going to go for a t- for a touchdown. And I think the Buccaneers defense clamps down late and doesn't let Matt Stafford, get a win over uh, his hometown team, the Tampa Tampa native Matt Stafford, not beating uh, the Buccaneers. But again, looking forward to what I hope will be a playoff matchup between these two teams and uh, probably a really good classic playoff game if they do. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go on the opposite side. I'm also got the Bucks winning this one, but I think it's be- it's going to be because Tom Brady has the ball last. You know, this guy I think is going to have that two-minute drive, that classic two-minute drive where uh, he gets that team in field goal range or whatever the case yeah. is. And I'm going to have this score as 31-28 for the Bucks. You know, it's a toss-up. It really is. Mm-hmm. I really don't feel great about my prediction for this game. I feel like, obviously, the Rams are at home, so they have that advantage, I guess, from not having to travel, maybe having a few more fans at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I just feel like the Bucks are a lot more established in terms of the chemistry and the gel and things like that, where the Rams are still trying to work out everything. And this might be the week where they get it all down. But at the same time, you know, I just feel more safe at predicting that the Bucs are going to be, you know, less mistake prone, I guess. And um, so I'm going to go with the Bucs. But man, this one is going to be a good matchup between two yeah. teams, both 2-0, the Bucs, the Rams. And like we mentioned, this could be a preview of the NFC Championship game. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Appreciate you guys so much for listening. You guys can follow us on Twitter at QBsMEP and at DHarrison82. You guys can obviously follow us at our podcast, Locked on Rams, Locked on Bucks, and on YouTube at Locked on Rams. Enjoy the game. It should be a good one. And uh, make sure to tune back into our podcast next week as well when we recap these games and give you guys everything you need to know about what happened in this contest.